Well, one of the joys of this show is the people that I meet and I get to interview. And indeed, now we've been running this show weekly since, gosh, um, April 2020. It's nice to catch up with old friends just to find out what are they up to. And here's a dynamic business based in Northampton that is doing many, many great things in lots of dimensions, but including some really uh, very recent mergers and acquisitions and quite important ones. So it's a big warm welcome to the CEO of Medigold Health, Alex Goldsmith. Alex, welcome back to the show. Um, let's just start with the coronation uh, last weekend. You know, did you celebrate? Uh, did you have a good time? Well, good morning, Adrian. Again, good to be on again. Uh, I love this show. Um, yeah, the coronation. I did. I did watch it. I do enjoy um, getting my fill of pageantry. Uh, I think it's important to enjoy the, the good times as well as the tough times, and that was definitely a uh, an opportunity to enjoy the good times. I have to confess that I was. I'd had a. A, a, an event the night before the coronation on the Friday. So I, I watched avidly from, if not bed, the sofa uh, <laughs> with a slight hangover, but enjoyed it very much. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Now that's good to know you had a chance to relax because you've been working at quite a frenetic pace, obviously probably what will what seem like several years since the lockdown, but also in the last few months, putting together a pretty, pretty big deal. What can you tell us about, you know, the last few months of your life as a CEO? Yeah, thanks. So, look, one of the roles of any CEO is to ensure the successful future of the business, and obviously, lots of ways to do that. Main one being, you know, produce a good product or a service and have good people delivering it. That's really the bottom line of any business. You need that. But over and above that, there's always opportunities to bolt on um, the right type of um, business that you might see in the market, either a competitor or, or a geographic. Um, competitor that somewhere else in the country that you need in terms of acquiring them and we did recently manage to secure the successful acquisition of a major competitor that was a of a not dissimilar scale to Medigold um, and has long been a respected but fierce competitor and we managed to, to buy that business and therefore significantly enhance the the size of Medigold in, in the UK market and uh, really help us in our uh, in our aim to continue to offer you know, keep pe more people's uh, employees in work safe and well. No, indeed. Now, this acquisition, you're sort of talking about it rather modestly, but it, 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 you know, in order of magnitude, it almost doubles your business, no? Or doubles your number of employees. Yeah, we went from 600 employees to over 1,000, 1,100 employees now. Um, we've got, of those, around five, 600 of clinicians, doctors, nurses, technicians, collectors, um and yeah, it makes us it makes us the largest independent um, healthcare health and wellbeing provider in the country. Now, tell me, I've always enjoyed your rationale. Uh, you know, talking to you two or three times in between um, as you were negotiating, your rationale. Why? You know, what what's the nature of the industry in terms of the number of competitors and why you felt it was important to sort of take this big bold step? Yeah, I mean, one pitfall you can you can sometimes come across with. With, when you run a business is you shouldn't just buy things because you, you have this sort of general um, obsession just to get bigger because that can often go very wrong and we try not to do that. Um, at the moment, the wider story in health and wellness is that as with all industry, many industries, um, whilst it's very popular and becoming a lot more relevant to the world and a lot more businesses and employers are realising that that turning to health and wellbeing, good health and wellbeing provision is very important for the long-term future and viability of their their organizations that the challenge as, as in many industries is that there isn't enough people to do it um talent talent acquisition 
and and keeping people, retaining staff and training people with the right skills to to operate in our arena is is as challenging now as it's ever been with demand higher and supply less than it's ever been. So it's frustrating because we've waited years for the world to wake up to good occupational health and good health and well-being provision and and what it can do. And now we've got that awareness. We 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 are struggling with the um the, the right amount of resource to do it. So I actually saw this acquisition as an opportunity to to in one stroke bring in a lot of really good dedicated people who are trained and skilled in in that side of things and and hopefully I can I can direct them in in the right way and uh, have them doing good useful stuff and helping the country you know keep its health. Mm. And well, it is important, as you say, growing and mental well-being. We've discussed before that mental well-being is growing. But in terms of the industry structure, then there were what four or five big players, and you know the risk is either you become small, niche, uh, or irrelevant, or you've got to, be, you know, either eat or be eaten. Is that the sort of uh, in, yeah, in a very I, fierce I, 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 oligopoly? No. Yeah, I mean, our market is a friendly-ish market. We all kind of it's, it's a close-knit market. It's about a billion UK pounds size of market. If you're talking core occupational health um and the five main players um constitute in the region of 250 to 300 million of that billion pound market so quite a large proportion mm. of the rest is is done through um a lot of smaller players and and in-house services um but yeah i mean we did have there's sort of five main bigger companies over the size of, sort of 25 30 million pound turnover a year and of those and and those actually have formed through consolidation. So some businesses have been buying other businesses, and yeah, there is a, a period of consolidation going on. So I was very aware that if if we don't act soon and and try and stay ahead of the game and keep our resources high, keep our customer base high, keep our um our, our retain the staff we've got and, and offer be able to offer people both customers and and our staff more opportunity, more flexibility, more services, then yeah, we're going to wither on the vine. So uh, I do think there's a very real, there was a very real pressure to make sure that it, you know, that in a, in a big game of musical chairs, you you don't want to be the business left without a seat. <laughs> very well put, I, I think. So when we last met, you talked about, you know what, I, I got to do the deal, sign the piece of paper and thought, that's it, I can relax. And then you said, no, the reality is that it's actually now the hard work begins to integrate. So just tell us really that challenge of integration and as uh, you know as far as you can confidentially um but i've got breaking confidence is you know how you're going to go about that yeah i mean having done a few acquisitions now and although this was the largest we've, we've ever done um you learn vaguely quickly or luckily quickly having done a few what works and what doesn't work and uh, i have in my earlier part of my career made some errors around culture and, and and not putting the right message across and not combining because businesses do have different cultures and they do have things that are important to them and when you buy a company there is a danger that you can ride roughshod over things that people that have been purchased hold dear and because you're in control they can feel very nervous and very out of control and very vulnerable and we certainly didn't buy this business to um to sort of in some sort of Gordon Gecko from Wall Street style, you know, carve it up and set it off. You know, the, the idea was to, as far as we could, keep the people and keep a lot of the the, the good things that the business has done. But but and, and and try as it is not to make them part of Medigold, but also just to build 
a newer business that makes Medigold and the business we purchased, which is Health Management Limited, uh, into a, a, a newer and better business that um, will be something different entirely. And doing that is is complicated. You've got a lot of people, as I said, feeling anxious. You've got a lot of people um, excited. You've got a lot of people wanting you to do things very quickly. You've got you've got all sorts of competing and conflicting priorities. And it's about trying to calmly and, and in the right order um, do those things whilst keeping customers happy, keeping your existing business going, keeping the staff in both businesses enthused and feeling engaged. And that is a very fine balance and a very fine balancing act. And um, I think we're doing OK, but, you know, it's been it it, it, it is always challenging. No, I'm sure. Well, obviously, you would have done a due diligence beforehand, but like all of us, just before you're selling a car, you're going to polish it up and make it look as as good as new. So, do you have a? You know, have you chosen people within the business as the transition team? Have you got externals doing that? Is it a combination of both? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, uh, in the past, the acquisitions we've done, we haven't gone external for any integration resource. We did this time um, because the current trading in our market is very busy. So I didn't want to make the error of concentrating solely on this huge integration, then find that we've, we've dropped the ball on the day job. So we have employed um, a very experienced and um, very good uh, uh, consultant who's used to doing change control and um, transformational programs within larger businesses. So he's running um, that side of it for us obviously in in close con conjunction with myself and my senior management team and that of the business we acquired mm. um but yes we do have some external help um which has actually been really useful to me and it's a lesson i, I think i've learned that when you get to a certain size or a certain scale doing things in the same way you've always done them before because they worked it's an easy trap to fall into and i actually am glad that I realized reasonably late on, just with the, near the end of the diligence phase, that we would need this extra assistance and, and got it on board. Mm. So really, I guess, Alex, as a, as a, a strong family um, background to the company, you're, you know, are you in danger of or a great opportunity of moving from being a big, small business to a small, big business and a completely different culture almost, or, or, or I don't know, you know, different sort of systems, processes and awareness of, of that kind of scale now? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great point, Adrian. And I, I suppose I would start that answer with: we've grown from before we did the acquisition, we got to about 45, 50 million pound turnover, and we'd grown from a a five hundred thousand pound business when my father did the management buyout to four Medigold to the size we were at fifty million. So huge growth, mm. and we'd managed to keep even despite taking. Um, minority external investment you know in 2017 we've managed to keep the family culture going we have experienced the challenge of getting bigger and trying to be more you do have to put inevitably processes and bureaucracy in place as you get larger and, and checks and balances and governance which can if done badly detract from the family ethos and the caring attitude and the general kind of closeness of it we've tried very hard to keep that going and i think successfully this will be another challenge to that another test of that will i think we all agree at medical that what makes us so successful with our customers and our people is that we do care mm. and it doesn't just have to be because we're part of a family business i think if you just have that attitude and it may be that we have that attitude because of those origins but 
there's nothing to say you can you can't run a large company and keep those types of values and try and every day instill those values in your people. I do now smile a little bit. It's become a a bit of a buzz or, or typical word. If you look now on many company websites, they refer to themselves as a family. If you look at job adverts, lots of family references are being made because I think businesses realise that that's a a nice cosy word. It's almost become overused or a little bit weaselly in terms of weasel words. You know, it's an easy thing to say, but actually, are you doing it? I'd like to think Medigold is still doing it, but certainly one of the main things we're going to focus on in the next year as we integrate is trying very, very hard to keep that because mm. I think it's the secret sauce and what makes us good. No, absolutely. So you talked about, you know, acquiring talent. Um, were there any other synergies? I mean, cost, obviously, scale gives you the chance to to ch change a cost structure. Were there any other synergies? Were they particularly strong in one part of the country or another or in particular elements of the services you offer? Uh, yeah, uh, it's really um, interesting because there's a number of um, parts of the business we've acquired that do things clinically that we didn't do uh, and, and actually vice versa. So there's some nice growth opportunities there where we can take these products. For instance, they have a primary care business. Or so they have a GP business in London that, that sees people privately for primary care, which uh, we didn't have as a business, but we were looking at doing. So that's a, a nice leg up to, to that world, which I think with the ever more pressure being placed on the NHS and its ability to see people quickly, some businesses will prefer to offer their staff the ability to see GPs faster through 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 the occupational provider network they've got and so that's something we're looking at which is very exciting and I, I'm enjoying the opportunity of that there's also some some interesting areas around neurodiversity and workplace adjustments uh, and some physiotherapy um, parts of the business that we didn't have that we're going to be able to grow so yeah there's some good pockets of potential and actually the, the business was that we purchased was previously owned by a, a large US um, healthcare business very very impressive business that's uh but is not focused on the same area of healthcare that that we are and that they are mm -hmm. so potentially that they were not being some of the guys in the business were not being given as much opportunity for growth and focus on their niche than they'd like and i think they're quite excited by the opportunity of medigold coming in with an enthusiastic eye for those services to say yeah that's great you know we'll grow these we'll we can offer things to our customers we couldn't offer before we can offer opportunities to our our people that we couldn't do before so yeah very exciting <laughs> now it's an uncertain time we seem to be having to accept things change fast and it's uncertain but uh, this is a big bold move isn't it so um you know i see you as an entrepreneur do you see yourself still as that sort of swashbuckling entrepreneur or how would you define your style your contribution to the organization you've talked about earlier which is you know pr prepare for the future and and you know your management style which i think on the radio you have said changed a little bit during um covid of course i think covid taught me a lot um i mean you used the word swashbuckling i'm not sure uh <laughs> that's a very generous description <laughs> i'll take it i think any one of my friends listening to this back will be laughing at that adrian but um i think covid did change my approach we talked at length last time we spoke around communication around transparency around being authentic to the people that you um that you employ i've always been authentic but potentially i was being authentic at, at moments where it was afforded to me whereas i think as a leader you 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 actually have to go out of your way to put yourself in front of both your customers but more importantly your people on a very regular basis to 
in, in times like these to reassure them and to give them confidence that things are going in the right direction. Mm. Um, and, then, and, and, and certainly, even if things aren't going in the right direction from a, from a kind of global point of view, to, to reassure them that they've got a safe place within their smaller piece of the world in our, in our business. So um, I've certainly concentrated on that. I've tried to be very transparent. I'm speaking to the business quite regularly still. Obviously, as we do acquisitions, I'm trying to give everyone updates on how it's going, what the transition's doing, where we are, what the progress we're making, some of the hurdles we're coming up against, some of the help I need. Um, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm still doing all that stuff. Um, I'll admit that when you do a large acquisition like this or where you go through the stress of doing it and then getting it done and then realize there's a whole load of integration work to do that that you you lift up the rug and find loads of other things that you hadn't you know you didn't know about that's challenging and leaders find you know you have to put a brave face on for everybody to make sure that everyone has the confidence to get on and do the things you need but you do have moments where you you kind of have a a wobble or a quiet thought going Christ have we bitten off more than we can chew here or 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 is it you know have we done the right thing and you know because you have to borrow money to, to buy businesses you have to you have to ask banks and investors to, to 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 help you and therefore that comes with a level of scrutiny and a level of future pressure on performance that you have to accept and therefore you have to be very focused uh on on delivering the right things at the right time and making bold decisions so I'm 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 a very confident person I think swashbuckling as I said is a little little too p- polite for me but um I'm certainly driven and and got a lot of grit to get things done I, I set my eyes on something and want to do it. it despite the challenges or the obstacles that get chucked at me I tend to be pretty good at um at focusing on on the on the on the end goal and making sure that I wade through whatever um sludgy stuff comes my way uh in doing so and I have a great team of people around me that helped me do that. And I certainly wouldn't have um, the ability to do that kind of steadfast um, focus on, on on achieving things despite a lot of challenges without those people. And what I would finally say on that is the great thing about the acquisition we've just done is the business we've bought, pleasingly, and you don't know this until you do it, is full of those type of people. So some of the great people I've met and 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 found already being hugely helpful to the process in the business we acquired has been inspiring. And I've done, I've done 12 acquisitions now. So I can tell you that most of the time that is the case. Occasionally it isn't. And um, not through the fault of the people, but sometimes there's a lot of nervousness around acquisitions and a lot of uncertainty. Sometimes the people you're buying don't want to be purchased. That was, this was not one of those times. And I think everyone's been very enthused. So I, I couldn't thank those people enough. And I feel as a leader, whenever you're feeling vulnerable, or, or a little bit worried about the courageous decisions you've made to grow and buy things and borrow money. The best, the best advice I can give anybody is look at the people beneath you. And if you look at them and go, do you know what, whatever challenges we've got coming down the road, these people have got my back. Mm. You'll be fine. And that is certainly how I feel. That's no, that's what, that's a wonderful, um, you know, explanation and, and testimony really. Um, that vulnerability or loneliness at the top, right? So, you know, you've got to put on the brave face, obviously family, but family are involved in the business. So it's probably an extra attention mm-hmm. there. You know, where do you go for your sanity check or for your sort of, you know, where you can sort of just leave the business behind or talk to people openly who are just there for the good of Alex, as well as, of course, as the business, but d- disconnected. H- how do you either unwind or how do you um, recharge? Yeah, I, I had some... I'll, I'll be honest, and you know, I'm getting into huge detail, but I, I, I had some 
some challenging times myself in the last year um, in terms of my mental health. And I, I've never really had that. I got all through COVID without feeling vulnerable in that regard. Uh, I don't need to go into the details of it, but it, um, it did. It, I almost appreciate it now because running a business that is so concerned with people's mental health mm. and their resilience to have a um, a period where I felt quite low and quite uncertain and worried uh, about whether right because as you get bigger you have a responsibility to to as I said earlier now I've got 1100 people that work with me mm. and there is a level of well what if we're what if we're, we're making a wrong decision and and putting people that you know who've got mortgages to pay and kids to feed in positions where they might be vulnerable or more vulnerable so I had some some, some struggles around that um before Christmas and and but I will say that I have amazingly supportive friend, friendship network. I've got a peer group um, that I'm, I'm a member of, of other CEOs who were very helpful in giving me some perspective. I also bluntly have a, have a great, you know, family, mum and dad, brothers, sisters, um, you know, best friends that, that that can see that I'm I'm a typically bombastic, very, um, you know, I would never say if I'm if I'm struggling really, or I'd never make it too obvious but they were they could see that they I needed a a kind word here or there and, and I got them when I needed them and, that, and and my wife as well obviously and daughter so really supportive and 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 I think we do live in a different time now where typically macho people or, or that's an old word but you know sort of alpha male won't admit when there's a problem kind of people and I'm probably one of those rugby playing type of <laughs> people um you know that I think I'm glad to say I think the world's changing and people are, aren't afraid to reach out and ask, "Are you okay?" So that was good, and and I'm not saying there was any huge problems, but it was just um, things can get on top of you. But but actually, to know you've got, as I said, the team in the business that even if I had a an off week or an off month, feeling not particularly energized, I had other people that knew my vision and were pit and could see me needing that assistance for them to pick up the baton and run with it. And actually. I can say that over the last year, I've got various senior people in my business who we've all had very challenging periods at certain times for, for both work and personal reasons. And it, each one of us has recognized that and picked up the baton for the other one when they need. And that that is the definition of a team. That's mm. why you have teams. And that's why I'm very, you know, I don't know how people that run literally their own businesses on their own by themselves. I've got huge respect because that is a lonely place. <laughs> I don't have that. I've got plenty of people I can rely on and work with both in my home life and in my work life that keep me kind of grounded and 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 realizing that my decisions at the end of the day still now I can sit in the cold with a cold towel on my head saying they were the right ones because they these people gave me the confidence to feel that way well that's wonderful thank you for sharing that uh, Alex I think it is a mark of a modern leader who can you know, be open and can share some of those concerns or vulnerabilities, uh, as you say. So, um, you know, uh, I'm sure this will resonate with many people that listen and hopefully with a lot of my students that get the chance to listen to it as well. Let's just end by a quick talk about something else. So you've got the business, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're swashbuckling. I meant as very much as a positive, by the way, but you I know, I know. I, I, <laughs> I'm just not sure I deserved it, but I'll take it. <laughs> driving the business forward but you also have um as well as family a, a strong sense of community as well and we've done work together on the um you know seek corporate social responsibility or esg environmental social and um governance so just looking at that your own business has made a lot of progress on that score and it's a journey sort of destination i don't think you ever stop it's a continuous improvement journey how 
how is that going to play out with your acquisition? Are they were they ahead of you on the journey? Are they behind? You know, what's your thinking about how you can have an even stronger community impact now that you've got extra scale? Yeah, that's a that's a, a great question. Uh, again, so we do, as you know, Medigold does take ESG very seriously. Um, we took it very seriously before we knew that it was ESG. If that makes any sense, I think you and I have discussed that yeah. on a number of occasions. That we've always been a community interested business around and by community I, I i mean primarily the communities within and around which we work and the people that work for us live in and that's been our so in the past potentially not so planet focused but certainly community focused in the areas that we are around mm. that's been our as a family business that's quite natural what we've done in the recent years with your guidance and 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 with having my eyes opened a bit and what that means is we now do focus a bit more on the wider aspects, the planet, um, the environmental issues, um, whilst continuing the the focus on helping and and trying to improve the lives of our staff and their and their you know close knit networking in the communities they live by by being involved and by helping with community initiatives and we we will still do that. The new business, uh, and sorry, just to finish as Medigold, we still do that in that we're still striving very hard, as you know, to to achieve B Corp accreditation. We're, we're on a journey to do that. The, the larger the business and, and the more people in it, and uh, it's quite tough to achieve. And um, I think it's no coincidence that if you look at the B Corp members, that a great many of them are our businesses where there isn't huge amounts of sites and huge amounts of people. Um, and I think... Um, that's fine. And, and I completely, that doesn't mean they're doing any less work. It's just, we found it very, very challenging to get to the types of standards you need on all aspects to, to get to that point, but we're making great progress. One of the reasons that stalled slightly was the acquisition, because obviously if you're going to start making fundamental changes about the way you employ people, the benefits you offer them, the flexibility you offer them, the, what you pay them, et cetera, if you're doing a, a large acquisition, you you put some of that on hold until you've done the acquisition because obviously things may change and budgets may change and departments may change and people mix may change when you buy things. Um, and also, as you rightly say in your question, the business you're buying might have some things in place that you need to take into account when submitting evidence and when building the strategy for or improving the ESG you know, process in your business. Mm. Um, what we found is that the, the group itself that we bought the business from, which was a larger business, as I said earlier, owned by an American company, does have a focus on ESG delivery and has its own very high level corporate approach to that. They're a much larger entity. They're a 500 million pound business in the UK and a $7 billion business in America. So they've obviously got a very different scale of um, approach to, to that in terms of what they're doing. When we take the, this business out as a thirty million pound subsidiary, there's very little left in terms of that side of it. They have got a great culture, and they certainly do do things uh, in the right way, and they and they try and do things um, in in terms of their people in the right way. But we're we're going to be starting from scratch. We're bringing them into our mm -hmm. processes for for things like purchasing strategies. Um, environmental uh, impact strategies, etc. So it is very much a little bit work very hard and very quickly to bring the four hundred odd people we've just acquired into our framework and and trying to trying to get them up to speed. Mm. Which hopefully contains opportunity. It's not just a cost or a burden or a management time needs to be dedicated to this thing. I think. Well, no. You, I, I, 
I think just on that, the opportunity is is telling the the people what we're doing and getting them involved. And I think they they, they I think my 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 suspicion. And this isn't absolutely confirmed because it's it's not something I've spoken in depth about to these people. But my my sense from speaking to them briefly on it is, and the management team is, they've not been that involved in it at that level because they were part of a bigger company. So what we can now do is bring the ESG agenda to life for the 400 people and actually let them know how they can help and how they can be directly involved in their day-to-day working lives, which I don't think previously they were. So that is an opportunity. Yeah, and as you know, I think there's strong links between community well-being and employee well-being and productivity and growth, you know, and, and I think that's the challenge for us all is how do we, we're in it together, but how do we make sure that all businesses see those links? Yeah, short term is an extra burden, extra cost, but long term, everybody's a winner and then you know healthy community should mean healthy recruitment healthy retention healthy sales into that community and um you know it's it's not everybody gets it alex it's great working with you because you do see it you know i think it's 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 a journey we're all on me too learning with you and and with your team in terms of um how to make it win 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 so it's not just you know no we we, we've appreciated your guidance on it adrian and actually you know i am absolutely bought into it Uh, it was your it was your talk um at the saints probably three or four years ago now that, that got me really understanding that we were doing things lots of things well but we weren't in any way linking them in the right way to how we can make our business better and more successful mm-hmm. and the, the current if you asked me today what is my number one problem in the business in terms of making it as successful as it can be right now it's people i don't have enough of them mm-hmm. i've got great people i need more great people and I need more doctors, I need more nurses, I need more technicians. I need, right now, as we speak, about 35 of them. So if we can invest in our people and in the communities they live in, in a better and more effective and communicative way, and show the world that the impact that makes, surely that will make us a, a destination of choice for the future doctors, nurses, and techs that we need over our com- competition. I do passionately believe that, but that's how we're certainly going to approach it. No, tremendous. Well, look, sounds like very exciting times at Medigold. What's the website if anybody just wants to go and have a quick look and see what you're up to as a business core business, Alex? Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's medigold-health.com, www.medigold-health.com. If you're a small business, look up Medigold Health Protect. That is a really good all-packaged product for any any business with less than 200 people that that wants to look after their staff in an easy-to-use way done online uh, and if if you are a doctor, a nurse, or a technician, and you're interested in a career move, please get in touch and submit your application because we've got plenty of jobs. Fantastic. Medigold-health.com or Medigold Health Project if you're a small business and would like to explore occupational health, therapy, well-being, and um, all things related. Alex, thank you ever so much for taking um, the time with some great uh, insights and some really you know, sensitive questions that I asked you, but uh, taking them all on the chin and giving us a very honest and sincere approach. Good luck to you and all your colleagues with this acquisition and the integration. Um, fantastic to hear from you yet again, and hopefully you'll come on in a few months and tell us how it's all going, and I'm sure it'll be going swimmingly well. So keep well, keep safe, and keep up the great work.